This morning we're going to consider new heavens and a new earth. New heavens and a new earth. We're looking at 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 10 through to 13. We're coming to the end of this epistle of Peter. Not there yet, but pretty much there. 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. In this series we've seen that the Apostle Peter warned about false teachers who would scoff at anything to do with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that they are willfully ignorant of creation and the flood in Noah's time, both of which pointed to Jesus coming again in judgment. Also Peter warned the readers of this epistle who may have been wondering why the Lord was taking so long not to be ignorant either. He said that God is long-suffering, that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Although God commands everyone everywhere to repent, it was explained that Peter was not referring to everyone everywhere in verse 9, but to the elect of God whom he called Beloved, in chapter 3 and verse 1. The Lord is not willing that those who were chosen before the foundation of the world for salvation and everlasting life should perish, but that they should all come to repentance. It was also explained that when Jesus finally comes again in God's good time, all of the elect of God will most certainly have come to repentance and to saving faith. Jesus will raise those of them who are in the grave and they, along with the Christians who are still alive when Jesus comes again at his second coming, they will receive glorious bodies like unto his, whether they be in the grave or not. All the elect of God will receive glorious bodies made like unto the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter now gives details of the second coming of Jesus. In verse 10, look at verse 10 there. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Peter leaves no room for doubt 
about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, the day of the Lord will come. Even if for now your understanding of the second coming of Jesus is rather flaky, rather minimal, I trust, dear Christian, that the statement, the day of the Lord will come, which is nothing less than a cast iron guarantee, an absolute assurance from the infallible word of God, that it fills your heart with joy unspeakable at the very thought of Jesus coming again. We have it here in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. How wonderful that is. When that great event happens, it will have been preceded by various signs and calamities. For example, the apostles asked Jesus about his second coming and they said, what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? In response, Jesus spoke about deceivers claiming to be Christ. Something else that Jesus said is that nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places, in various places. There is plenty more that Jesus said concerning the signs of his coming which can be found in Matthew chapter 24 and elsewhere in the Bible. However, none of those signs will actually tell us when Jesus is coming again, despite various people speaking as if they know when. But they don't. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus very clearly said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. It may be worth remembering that next time someone goes into detail about when Jesus is coming again. We can look for the signs, but none of us knows when that great day will come. One thing that we can be sure of is that the second coming of Jesus will be sudden, it will be unannounced, like a thief coming in the dead of night. That's what we're told there in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. <clears throat> if you go, glance over to verse 15 and 16 in chapter 3, Peter speaks about the Apostle Paul, who also wrote about Jesus coming as a thief in the night. And he spoke about the long-suffering of God. Look at verse 15 and 16 there. <clears throat> and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, have written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. It's worth looking at an example of what Paul wrote on the subject of the long-suffering of God and Jesus coming again as a thief in the night. 
I'm going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's helpful to have a look at another account of this. (coughs) 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'll read from verse 13. The Apostle Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Again, that's the same as Paul, isn't it? uh, As Peter, rather. Peter doesn't want his readers to be ignorant either. Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. In other words, those who are in the grave because their souls are with Jesus in heaven. That's clearly taught in the Bible. They sleep in as much as they're buried or their their bodies are, are dissolved. That ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Let's stop for a moment. When when royals, royal people, dignitaries, they come to into a place, they're met. There's a great um, ceremony. They're, they're greeted when they come. We see that when the Lord Jesus Christ was coming into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. People came out to meet him. Multitudes came to meet Jesus and to come with him into Jerusalem. Now, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, he will come with the departed souls. They will come, the bodies of the departed will be raised up and those of us who are alive will meet with them all in the air. We come to meet Jesus in the air. Meet the, the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes again, the great judge of all the earth. When he comes, he will be met by all his elect in the air. And then will be the judgment. Verse uh, chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then suddenly sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. This is the people who have not trusted in Jesus. Destruction cometh upon them. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, 
who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God have not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alive or dead, we should live together with him. And as I've already said, Jesus himself had quite a lot to say about his second coming. I'm going to turn again to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, reading from verse 36. where the Lord Jesus Christ says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Let's pause there for a minute. It just so happens that if you read Genesis chapter 6, you'll, you'll see that the whole earth was filled with violence. That the, the, uh, the thoughts of men's hearts were evil continually. Even so, we read that people were going about their daily business. Um, we see this according to the Lord Jesus Christ. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Same now, isn't it? The world is filled with violence. Very, very wicked world we live in. But still, of course, people do get on with life. And they do these things. Drinking, marrying and so on. Verse 39. And you not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. One's taken there. When Jesus comes again, one's taken, one's left behind. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. I can't be sure, but the way I understand that is the ones who are left behind are the ones that destruction is coming upon them. And the ones that are taken, they're taken to meet the Lord in the air their great king, when he comes again, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think, not the Son of Man cometh. We need to be ready. We need to have our spiritual suitcases packed. Jesus talks in the next chapter about the the virgins, five foolish virgins, five wise virgins. The foolish ones were not ready when um, the, the, the bridegroom came, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be ready. And the way to be ready is to be trusting in Jesus. That's to have your, that's how to have your case ready, packed 
ready for your to take residence in heaven, if that's where you're going. Trusting in Jesus. That's how to be ready to meet him in the air when he comes again. Trusting in him for the forgiveness of all your sins as a repentant sinner. I trust you you can see that any ignorance about the second coming of Christ is willful. I've read to you from what the Apostle Paul said, what the Lord Jesus Christ said. There's plenty to read about what the Apostle Peter said. So any ignorance about Jesus coming again is willful ignorance. No excuses. I say that especially to anyone here who still hasn't trusted in Jesus as their saviour from sin. I'm waiting for you to come to me and say, Glenn, I believe that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. And then we can have a conversation instead of you coming here week after week and nothing. Maybe there is nothing going on, but Jesus is coming again. And the most important thing for you, each one of you, is to be ready when he comes. Trusting in him and him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. We'll move on to Peter giving some details about about what will happen to the heavens and the earth when Jesus comes again. I'm back now into Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. The heavens or the sky and the outer space shall pass away with a great noise or as can be seen in verse 12, the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. As for the earth and everything in it, they shall be burnt up. Therefore, and all the things that you hold dear, by the way, before we move on, everything will be burnt up. Everything that you've built up over the years, it will all be burnt up, gone, when Jesus comes again. Therefore, what can reasonably said is that when Jesus comes again, the heavens and the earth will be destroyed. Incidentally, there's no mention made of a millennial reign. I don't see it anywhere in these verses. A millennial reign on the earth when Jesus comes again. When Jesus comes again, the earth will be burnt up. That's the end of it then. Judgment when he comes again. Judgment and the heavens and the earth will be destroyed. For the time being, however, the Son of God, who in the beginning made all things, who upholds all things by the word of his power, or as one of the commentators has put it, he upholds all things by the utterance of his omnipotence. This is what Jesus does for the time being. He upholds everything until such time 
he will come again as a thief in the night. Verses 11 and 12. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. If it has sunk in that Jesus really is coming again, and that he will do so suddenly and like a thief in the night, how do you propose to enter each new day, as long as there is a new day? I ask that because there is no place for an attitude that is akin to that of the scoffers who say, where is the promise of his coming? I really hope that is not your attitude when you read what the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ have to say about the second coming. Spurgeon said, the king is coming. He is coming to his throne and to his judgment. Now a man does not go up to a king's door and there talk treason. And men do not sit in a king's audience chamber when they expect him every moment to enter and there speak ill of him. The king is on his way and almost here and you are at his door. He is at yours. What manner of people ought ye to be? How can ye sin against one who is so close at hand? Peter says to the recipients of this epistle that they ought to be in all holy conversation and godliness. That's in verse 11. That high standard of conduct and behaviour is not to be seen as some kind of suggestion, some polite request, but as a must-do or a necessity for the elect of God. Although you wouldn't expect to find scoffers having a reverence for God and living a life that is consecrated to God, it would not make sense for you, if you are a Christian, not to do so. If you have the Holy Spirit working in you to will and to do of God's good pleasure and you believe with all your heart that your great God and Saviour Jesus Christ is coming again like a thief in the night. As a Christian, it must surely be your prayer and your heart's desire to live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world as you look for and you hasten unto the coming of the day of God. Even though that day has been fixed by God, do you nevertheless speed its coming? As you give voice to your heart's desire by saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, if indeed that is your heart's desire. Maybe you've got a few things that you want to finish off first in this world. And then Jesus can come. I don't know. And look again at verse 12 with regards to who is coming. Look at it. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Who is Peter talking about there? Jesus, whom he calls God. 
And we need never forget that, that it is God manifest in the flesh who is coming again in judgment. Dear brethren, what a day that will be when you're Jesus, you shall see and you look upon his face, the one who saved you by his grace. But if you are not trusting in Jesus now, you can look in, Gen- uh, in Revelation rather and you can read about people crying to the rocks to fall on them, the mountains to fall on them and to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. Have you ever seen an angry lamb? Jesus, the Lamb of God, is coming in judgment. And if you are not trusting in him, you will be crying out to the mountains to hide you from him. But it will come to no avail because you will be judged for everything that you have thought and said and done. Look at verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. In the Old Testament, you can read about leprosy and how it affected and contaminated not just the people, but also their homes and even their clothes. In the same way, as a consequence of sin, devastating everything in its path, and also the curse of God being on the ground because of Adam's disobedience in the Garden of Eden, the whole of creation is groaning. For example, in Isaiah chapter 24, verses 4 through to 8, it is written that the earth mourneth, and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore have the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate, Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. The new wine mourneth, the the vine languisheth and the merry-hearted do sigh. The mirth of tabret ceaseth, the noise of them that rejoice endeth. The joy of the harp ceaseth. Nevertheless, nevertheless, according to the promise of God, all who belong to Jesus look forward to his second coming and to him ushering in new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. What we are now considering and looking forward to goes way beyond our understanding. It certainly goes way beyond my understanding, that's for sure. But how much do we really need to understand about this anyway? Sufficient to understand that Jesus is coming again and that he will usher in new heavens and a new earth. That much we can and must understand. I can remember hearing 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 13 there, nevertheless we according 
to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. I can remember that being proclaimed, preached on when I was a newly converted Christian a good few years ago now. At that time, I understood next to nothing about anything in the Bible other than the fact that the Son of God had paid the price for my sins and that was about it and I thank God for that, that at least I understood that and praise God forevermore for that. However, even back then as a newly converted Christian, I found the prospect of Jesus coming again and also living in new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness to be the most appealing thing and the very thought of it thrilled my heart. I can remember speaking to the pastor afterwards about it. It was wonderful news. Does it thrill your heart? The thought, the prospect of living in new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. No sin, no sorrows, no violence, no wars, no lying, no stealing. Who in his right mind would not hasten the day when he shall receive a glorious body that is free from all traces of sin and he shall live in a completely sin-free world, a world in which God shall be with men and he shall dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and he shall be their God. But not everyone has that desire, that hope, that eager expectation and that is because not everyone is in his right mind. A right-minded person is someone who has shown repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that Jesus has done everything that is necessary in his life of obedience to God's holy laws, in his sacrificial death at the cross, and in his resurrection from the dead, to secure for him forgiveness for sins and everlasting life in new heavens and the new earth. Not everyone is in his right mind. Maybe there's one or two in here now who are not in their right mind. The hymn writer Fanny Crosby, who was physically blind, she was in her right mind, that's for sure. She was most certainly looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of her great God and Saviour Jesus Christ. In one of her hymns she wrote, Perfect submission, all is at rest, I in my Saviour am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. Is that you as well? Are you in your right mind? Are you looking for and hastening unto the day of the Lord? Do you say, even so, come Lord Jesus? Are you trusting in him for the forgiveness of your sins? Amen.